Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Just a quick note before we get started. This episode contains disturbing content, including discussions of suicide. Take care while listening. We get people out of the past. In other words, if something happened to me when I was younger that caused me to pull myself back and to say, "Uh uh-uh, isn't safe out here. It isn't safe to give my heart away. It isn't safe to be with people in a vulnerable way. And as a consequence, I pull myself back. This is John Hanley, the CEO of LifeSpring. He's speaking in an old promotional video from 1992 about the power of his personal growth seminars. What we do in the course is get people to see that, one, that happened back there then, and it's not necessarily what's going to happen now. And mostly, I suppose, is to have people really get in touch with just how wonderful it is to relate with people and to love them. In the footage, Hanley's sitting in a beige office. The space is bland, but Hanley is magnetic. He's got long, flowing blonde hair. It's perfectly styled, all billowy and brushed back from his face. He's 46, but still hanging on to his youthful glow. You know, if we keep on the same path that we're on right now, we're not going to be turning over a very equitable property to our children. And that's one thing I think about a lot, because I have three kids, and I'm thinking about my kids and my grandchildren and their children, and I'm saying, hey, wait a minute. We've got to start now to invent the future that wasn't going to happen anyway. At the time Hanley recorded this, LifeSpring had offices all across the U.S. Thousands of new graduates went through his seminars every month. He was a multimillionaire who owned mansions and private driving ranges and even a 300-acre ranch, where he spent his off days herding cattle on horseback for fun. But according to Hanley, LifeSpring wasn't about money. It wasn't even about him. He believed his seminars could change the world, maybe even save it. But the way that we can see it now is that we're all in this together, and we'll either win together or we'll lose together. Nobody's going to be exempt from there's no air to breathe. No one is exempt from the next nuclear disaster. By 1992, Hanley was a hyper-successful guru with thousands of devoted followers. But two decades earlier, he was just a 26-year-old kid in a cheap suit walking into a hotel ballroom. Not to lead a seminar, but to take one. It was put on by a company called Leadership Dynamics Institute, or LDI. On the surface, LDI sounded like the seminars Hanley eventually led in LifeSpring. And it was, at least until you stepped inside the seminar room and saw the giant cross in the corner, and the steel cage, and the casket. See, LDI took an unusual approach to personal growth. It was bloody. It was violent. The trainers berated, abused, and humiliated participants. They even tortured a few, until they had a breakthrough. And Hanley's breakthrough led him straight to the top of LifeSpring. On the last day of Hanley's seminar, 
His trainers stuffed him inside a casket and locked it. They kept him trapped in that dark, suffocating box for almost an entire day. But after 12 grueling hours, something clicked for Hanley, something profound. He later called it the greatest personal transformation of his life. He wrote, quote, Lying in this casket, what was I getting? Nothing. What was I missing? Everything. What was I going to choose? I wanted to be a leader. Well, it wasn't long before Hanley got his chance. Or he took it. If I have this right, you are the one who, who created LifeSpring. And do you remember the day that you brought it to John Hanley? You talked to him about it? Oh, I didn't bring it to him. He brought it himself to me because he was looking for a job. Oh, I, only, I was only with my own company for six months, LifeSpring. That blew up pretty quickly. This is Good Cult, an original podcast from Cast Media. I'm River Donahue. Over these six episodes, I'm investigating the controversial seminars that defined my childhood and the man who created them, a convicted felon turned new age guru named John Hanley. But this isn't just a story about the past. By the end of our time together, I'll take you inside a seminar room where lives are still being changed and ruined to this day. You're listening to episode two, The Leader. He was an interesting character. I say that only in that he was uh, always looking to, to do well. I mean, always looking to uh, do well financially is what I'm saying. Michael McNally first met John Hanley when they were undergrads at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. He was really success-oriented. You know, he was really interested in performing well and making things happen. John Hanley made his first dollar when he was 12 years old, working at a carnival in Milwaukee. He spent his teenage years bouncing from job to job. He hung drywall, he worked as a janitor, he built golf carts in an auto factory. I like to work, Hanley wrote in his memoir. I like to earn money. It seemed like Hanley would do almost anything to make a buck even if that meant breaking the law. I mean, John's got that felony conviction in his past. He's done a lot to try and minimize it and uh, erase it somewhat successfully. This is Robert White, one of Hanley's oldest friends. Robert told me that in 1969, when Hanley was 23, he was convicted for running a series of scams with his father-in-law, a guy named Fred Welchman. His nickname was Dirty Old Fred. He was a chronic repeat criminal in frauds, various consumer frauds. And he recruited John. They called it selling inventions. One of their schemes involved convincing would-be inventors that Fred and Hanley were experts on trademarks and patenting. They sweet-talked their victims into shelling out hundreds of dollars for this packet of documents some insider information that Fred and Hanley promised would help them take their inventions to the mass market and make them rich. And the product was the stuff you copied from the trademark office and a couple of magazine articles. That's what you got for your three or $400. And it's, a, you know, it's just a scam. And oh, and a list of companies that will entertain inventions from inventors, which was bogus. It was just like the Fortune 500 list. <laughs> But that was just one of Fred and Hanley's cons. Their next one was transmission repair. And the scheme there was you had a shop with a bunch of people running around with white coveralls, 
working on cars and then a little office and then you bring them in and it was all fake. They were working on the same car for years. Now, I'm a little fuzzy on the details of how this one worked, but based on what Robert told me, Fred and Hanley were convincing investors to buy franchise locations of an auto repair company. But in reality, the shops didn't actually exist. By the late 1960s, they'd moved on to another racket, this time involving a fake toilet cleaning company called Sanad Incorporated. Here's Mark Fisher, the Washington Post reporter who investigated Hanley in the 1980s. The company would divide up territories and you'd get a territory and you'd go out and sell this toilet cleaning service. They would tell their victims that if they paid $7,500 a year into this uh, company, that would guarantee them $18,000 a year. But as was shown in court, the territories didn't exist. There were no guaranteed salaries. Investigators shut down Fred and Hanley's company and arrested them. In 1969, they were both convicted of felony mail fraud. Fred was sentenced to five years in prison. Hanley managed to avoid jail time. He was given five years probation and slapped with a $1,000 fine. Now, in his book, John Hanley wrote about his early days as a con artist as a youthful mistake. The way he framed it, that felony conviction was a tough way for him to learn an important lesson, to never take advantage of people again. And, okay, maybe that's true. Maybe Hanley's run-in with the law inspired him to turn his whole life around. But I'm not so sure. Especially considering that right after Hanley got off, he turned around and joined a pyramid scheme. Hey, it's River. You know, me and Dirty Old Fred aren't so different. I've got a scheme, too. My scheme is to get you to rate, review, and subscribe to Good Cult on Apple Podcasts. Now, I haven't quite figured out the close, but come on, what do you say? Now, a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. So I've been wrestling with making something about my History Inside Personal Growth seminars for a long time before Good Cult came along. I had this book once that I started and never finished, a terrible one-man show idea where I would lead the audience through parts of the seminars live in the room. There was also this horror movie screenplay about a fictionalized teen seminar that dissolved into chaos, but I never finished any of them, you know, not just because they were all terrible ideas, <laughs> but because every time I'd sit down and stare at a blank piece of paper, I'd get bombarded with all these problems, you know, that the project needed to feel real, that it needed to be fair to my parents, that it had to capture the whole truth about something that I didn't even fully understand myself yet. But when I finally brought some of these issues to my therapist, I had a massive breakthrough about my own creative process, and I learned how to stop focusing on the problems and start finding solutions. Therapy is the reason I finished this podcast you're listening to right now. I really mean that. So if you're thinking about starting therapy yourself, give BetterHelp a try. It's a great way to get started. It's affordable and convenient and completely online. All you have to do is fill out a quick survey, and BetterHelp will do the rest. Plus, you can switch therapists at any time. So... When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash goodcult today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash goodcult. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. 
LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So you've probably already heard about Cast's new investigative true crime podcast, Lost in Panama. But if you haven't caught up yet, now's the time, because new evidence and testimony has been uncovered in the more recent episodes that's shining a whole new light on the case. The first four episodes of Lost in Panama laid out everything already known about the two young women who went missing, including deep dives into the mysterious photos, the suspicious tour guide, and the remains. But episode five is where the investigation launches into a whole new direction. The Lost in Panama team meets a woman who says that the same men who killed her son are responsible for Chris and Lizanne's deaths. The woman lays out what she believes happened and how the women were abducted and killed. And amazingly, it all adds up. The pieces start to fit together and finally make sense. So as time's running out, the Lost in Panama team takes this major breakthrough and races to push the Panamanian government to admit that there's more going on here than meets the eye. The officials need to reopen the case and take a serious look at this new evidence. So the families affected can finally get closure. But will they do it? If you want to find out, you can listen to all episodes of Lost in Panama right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Now that his days with Dirty Old Fred were over, Hanley needed a new line of work. He picked up a job as a salesman for a company called KK for Elevators. It was a small gig, just a way to pay the bills, but it brought Hanley to the man who had changed his life forever. His name was Robert White. I was running my little sales business in Milwaukee, and I went to the Milwaukee Home Show, which is a big deal, thousands and thousands of people and hundreds of exhibitors. So we see this guy selling a product called a stair lift. This is that little chair that you put on a rail next to your stairs if you're handicapped or aged, and he's wearing checked pants and a striped sport coat and a paisley shirt, one of the worst dressed persons I'd ever seen in my life. And he is riding the stairlift up and down to get attention. And I remember looking at this and thinking, (laughs) who in the hell is this? The kid seemed like a character, so Robert walked over and introduced himself. But by the time he left the home show, he'd mostly forgotten about Hanley. Shortly after that, I ran an ad for a sales manager for my business. And guess who showed up? John Hanley. All bravado and ego and obviously just super talented, smart, funny, all that. And I remember that at that time, I said to him, because he's portraying himself as this huge success in life. And I, I said, aren't you the guy that was riding the stairlift up and down? Robert was four years older than Hanley, who was still in college finishing up his economics degree at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Robert gave Hanley a job and took him under his wing. Robert ran the Milwaukee branch of a company called Holiday Magic, which touted itself as a big-time cosmetics manufacturer. But the real story with Holiday Magic was more complicated than that. 
holiday magic probably was very much a pyramid scheme, looking at it historically. It went like this. High-ranking people at Holiday Magic, like Robert White, recruited distributors who bought a bunch of cosmetics. They also bought the ability to sign up distributors of their own. The more people you signed up, and then the more people they signed up, the more money you made, no matter how much makeup anybody actually sold. So yeah, like McNally said, it was a pyramid scheme. Robert brought John Hanley on board. He took care of Hanley, and not just as a boss, they became close friends. Each time Robert got bumped up the ladder at Holiday Magic, he made sure Hanley came along with him. He even loaned Hanley and his wife a few thousand dollars so they could buy their first house. And then Robert invited Hanley to a strange meditation seminar for Holiday Magic salespeople called Mind Dynamics. Robert said it saved his life. Now, this is where the story starts to get a little weird. I had had uh, three heart attacks, one at 19, one at 21, one at 23. I had uh, uh, a heart condition that produced daily chest pain and where they told me I would not live past 35. Robert had always assumed there was nothing he could do. In a few short years, he'd be dead. But Mind Dynamics claimed that it could give him the power to cure himself. Over the span of four days, Robert went through a series of closed-eye meditations that supposedly generated alpha waves in his brain. And somehow, it worked. Uh, I generally don't talk about it personally, but, uh, you know, on that day, too, they gave us potential exercises we could do at a deep level of mind to heal. One month after that training uh, was the last time that I had chest pain. That was the end of Robert's heart problem. Now, I know it sounds unbelievable. Robert knows it does, too. That's why he's mostly stopped telling this story. But here he was, 50 years later, sitting and talking to me. Living proof. There is no explanation for it going away other than the little exercises I did twice a day for that month. And I did something very dramatic, at least for me. Uh, I went down to the lakefront in Milwaukee and ceremoniously threw all of the medicine into the lake. I polluted Lake Michigan to celebrate no more chest pain. Mind Dynamics didn't have the same effect on Hanley. He slept through most of it. And once the seminar was over, Hanley figured he'd never go back. But in the fall of 1971, Robert called him up with some news. He had just taken a job as the president of Mind Dynamics, and he wanted Hanley to move out to California and come work with him. So I called John. So I hired him originally as national field director and then as he got promoted to vice president. All right. Look, here's the deal with Holiday Magic and Mind Dynamics. They weren't actually separate companies. They were both owned by William Penn Patrick, who sat at the very top of the pyramid scheme. This guy. I have been dishonest in many ways. I have done things that no man can be proud of. The price for my errors has been paid in the coin of numerous frustrations and failures. This is from a record that William Penpatrick released in 1968. I have found that those who condemn wealth are those who have none and from their blind fear see no chance of gaining it. A close look at these wretched souls will give the viewer a look at the worst that humanity has to offer, greed and malice toward everything that is good. There is absolutely nothing wrong with being wealthy. 
He goes on like that for a solid half hour. You know, just your average, run-of-the-mill architect of a cosmetics-based pyramid scheme. But anyways, Mind Dynamics wasn't the only seminar company William Penpatrick owned. He had another one called Leadership Dynamics Institute, LDI. When I was running Mind Dynamics, it became clear, you know, they were pressing us to send our people to LDI. Robert checked out LDI. It was nothing like Mind Dynamics. The LDI seminar was intense, confrontational, and sometimes even violent. Robert wasn't going to send his people in there alone. I made this rule that if my people, my, my trainers, my team, if any of them were in the LDI, I had to be there. The LDI seminars were held in a hotel ballroom in Palo Alto, California. Tables were set up in a U-shape, all facing the center, where one by one, the participants stood in what Penpatrick called the pit. Everybody seated behind the table except for the person in the pit, uh, in the, standing in the middle of the room. And uh, you were required to sit with both hands on the table, flat. And then if you reached and scratched your nose or anything, like take your hand off the table, they poured a full pitcher of water, ice water on your head. Just about everyone who went through LDI in the early 1970s has horror stories about what happened in there, like Michael McNally. There was an incident in one of those trainings that got everybody's attention, and that was that a fellow, I don't know who it was, it sure didn't happen in our training, but lost his nose. Whoa. Yeah, I know, I know. Lost his nose because somebody somebody swung a water pitcher and caught him in the nose and took his nose off. Wow. I, yeah, you got to really swing a pitcher to knock somebody's nose off. Don't you think? Break a nose, I understand, but wow. Yeah, no, it took it off is what I understood. Yeah. LDI was all about pushing you past your physical and emotional limits until you finally had a breakthrough. The trainers would do whatever it took to get you there. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Like the story of, you know, some guys overweight and they have them crawl around on the floor almost naked with an apple in his mouth. That's a true story. And that wasn't just one time they did that. That's pretty, that was a pretty common exercise. But boy, if you walked in with some, with a hole in you psychologically that you could drive a truck through, they drove a truck through it. And uh, that, that put a lot of people at risk. Michael McNally told me that he watched somebody get waterboarded during a seminar right there on the hotel floor. He told me the story like it was nothing. 
like it was just another day at LDI. It's a torture technique. I'd only first heard about it because Vietnam was raging. And so they would uh, just take people to uh, near unconsciousness, trying to make a point. Now, for most participants, the LDI seminar was too brutal. It was too unforgiving. But not for John Hanley. By the time John Hanley finished his seminar, he was a changed man. In 1972, John Hanley walked into an upscale Bay Area hotel for his LDI training. But for the first few days, it just wasn't working. He's such a hardhead, and they just weren't getting through to John. Hanley watched the trainers go to extreme lengths to force participants into emotional breakthroughs. At one point, they made an overweight guy strip off all of his clothes, lay on the ground, hold a full-length mirror above him, and stare down at his naked body in front of the whole room. Now, if anybody tried to leave, the trainers would chase them down and pull them back in for more. They threw everything they could think of at Hanley, but he refused to crack. Until finally, on the last day, the trainers got fed up. Five guys jumped on Hanley and dragged him across the room. And I think I mentioned that they had a casket in every training. They put him in the casket, closed it, and then beat on it with a baseball bat. Can you imagine how loud that would be inside the casket being beat on? It's a metal casket. (laughs) The casket was latched shut. Hanley was trapped. It was pitch black inside and suffocatingly hot. He could smell the old sweat of the men who'd been in there before him. But Hanley decided he wasn't going to give his trainers the satisfaction of knowing they'd broken him. Every so often, they asked him if he'd had enough and if he was ready to come out. And each time they did, Hanley told them, no, that he was just fine where he was. John Hanley laid in that casket for 12 straight hours. And then he had a revelation. He wrote about the moment years later in his memoir. Quote, Here I was, lying in this casket, avoiding and resisting what I thought was them, but really it was all about me. I was the complete master of my fate. I thought I had been living as a player in others' games. Now I saw it had been my game all along. In that moment, I understood that I was totally committed, heart and soul, whatever it took, to really make something powerful happen in my lifetime. If I look at it one way, I can say that they abused me, for sure. But the way I choose to see it, they saved my life. He thought being put in that casket was the best thing that ever happened to him. But this cocky, arrogant... I'm not listening to anybody guy, got it from being in that casket. He couldn't get his personality to rescue him. He had to be real. And that came from the casket experience. A few weeks later, Hanley took what he learned from his time at LDI and started putting together a seminar of his own. After a frenzied writing spree, he finished the first draft of what he called the Advanced Mind Dynamics Course. Hanley brought his ideas to Robert White. The two of them started workshopping new seminar exercises together in the Mind Dynamics trainer meetings after their boss, Alexander Everett, headed home for the night. A lot of really interesting new stuff was brought into the trainer meetings because Alexander would only stay for the first half hour, maybe an hour in an unusual case. I stayed for the whole meeting. So a lot of the exercises that became Lifespring were tried out with the trainers in those meetings after Alexander left the room. 
Their new seminar combined the mind dynamics work that had cured Robert's heart and the LDI training that had changed Hanley's life. And on the second level training, you know, its roots are in LDI. They're in confrontation. Soon, Robert and Hanley got a chance to bring their ideas out of the office and into the real world. In 1973, the Federal Trade Commission opened a case against Holiday Magic, alleging that it had defrauded people out of more than $250 million. Lawsuits from former LDI participants started piling up too, for obvious reasons, and Robert White got dragged into the middle of it all. It's not, it's not fun to be sitting in a deposition and having people challenge you about your qualifications when I had zero qualifications. <laughs> to, you know, where did you get your psychology degree, Mr. White? Well, I don't have a psychology degree, you know. <laughs> so you were doing deep inner work on people and you're totally unqualified, is that true? Things didn't look good for the head of holiday magic, William Penpatrick. On June 9, 1973, in the midst of this mounting legal trouble, Penpatrick hopped into his private plane for a joyride. Halfway through his flight, the plane took a nosedive. Penpatrick flew straight into a ridge at full speed. He died on impact. All three of Penpatrick's companies immediately began to collapse. Robert felt mind dynamics crumbling beneath his feet, so he decided it was finally time to set off on his own. Or or Hanley decided it was time for him to set off on his own, or they decided to set off together. This is where the story starts to get a little muddy. But the way Robert told it, he resigned from Mind Dynamics after Penpatrick died. Over 50 people quit within one week of my quitting. I had, you know, I had hired them all. And then the phone starts to ring. When are we going to start a new company? Which means, when are you going to start a new company so that I can get a salary? Robert got to work on a new business plan. Three months later, John Hanley called him, asking to come aboard. So Robert brought Hanley in as his right-hand man, just like he'd always done. But according to Hanley, that's not how it happened. Hanley wrote that he was the one who sat down with Robert at Mind Dynamics and said, quote, I feel like we could come up with something else, a much better training program. That it was his idea from the start. Whatever the truth is, one thing is clear. Robert White and John Hanley decided to take everything they learned from Mind Dynamics and LDI and create something new, something better. They called their company LifeSpring. I'd put every penny that I owned into LifeSpring. I was the only funder. Every, everybody else was getting paid. In early 1974, John Hanley, Robert White, and a small team of former Mind Dynamics trainers opened the first LifeSpring office in downtown San Francisco. They started hosting LifeSpring seminars, workshopping their experimental blend of Mind Dynamics and LDI as they went. They would tweak the exercises in real time, changing details or even inventing whole new processes on breaks in the middle of a seminar. While things got going on the West Coast, Robert White set off for Chicago to open a LifeSpring office in the Midwest. Hanley took charge of California. For a little while, this setup seemed to work. But after a few weeks, Robert started to hear whispers about problems back home. My then wife, Catherine, was volunteering in the San Francisco Center. I mean, it's a startup. It was scrambling. And, uh, you know, on our regular catch-up phone calls, you know, two or three times a week, she, she started telling me that she was not comfortable being at the center 
and she felt like there was some kind of a campaign going on to uh, dismiss me or to denigrate me and my role in the company. So I finally, I got on the phone and talked to John about it and he didn't deny it. So we set up a meeting in Portland. John Hanley and Robert White have different stories about how they created LifeSpring, who started it and when, but they both agree on where their long partnership ended. At a meeting in Portland, Oregon, just a few months after LifeSpring launched. Here's how Hanley wrote about that meeting. Quote, I told him it wasn't that I didn't love him or didn't care for him. It was just that I didn't think it was going to work between the two of us. We could only have one leader at LifeSpring, and I intended to be that leader. John was your, he, he worked for you with your, with your marketing stuff in Milwaukee. He was the VP um, for you at Mind Dynamics. It sounds like he was, I mean, I don't know if like protege is the right word, but you know, it, like you, you two were really partners. He was, you were a duo. Well, that's not how he held it. He wanted to be the boss. He didn't, he didn't like me being boss. Just like that, Robert White was out. LifeSpring was Hanley's. I flew home to San Francisco, sat down with my wife. I said, you know, we're broke, unemployed. We've got a kid. We've got a mortgage. We got some deal, some problems to deal with here. Over the next few years, Hanley transformed their small, struggling seminar company into a multi-million dollar success. He achieved the goal he'd set for himself the minute he crawled out of that casket. He became a leader. His seminars taught hundreds of thousands of people like my parents and me lessons about integrity and accountability and the importance of keeping our word. But Hanley got there by betraying one of his closest friends, a guy who looked after him for years, who always went out of his way to find Hanley a job wherever he worked, who gave him the money to help him buy his first home, a guy who took a chance on a kid in a mismatched suit riding up and down on a stairlift and gave him a new life. The way that we can see it now is that we're all in this together and we'll either win together or we'll lose together. When John Hanley said those words, he wasn't living by them. And I'm not just talking about what he did to Robert White. At the time he recorded that video, Hanley had faced dozens of lawsuits from LifeSpring trainees who claimed their seminars scarred them for life. He knew people were getting hurt. He knew that some of them had died, but he just kept barreling ahead no matter how much damage he left behind. My name is Cindy Turner. Uh, Gail Rennick was my sister. She went to Life Spring. She thought she was going to better her life, but it stopped her life. You're listening to Good Cult, an original podcast from Cast Media. I'm River Donahue. Next episode, I'll take you inside the seminar that turned Life Spring into a global sensation and made Hanley a personal growth star, and then sit down with the family of a woman who didn't make it out alive. Good Cult is written by me, River Donahue, with help from Drew Schwartz. It's executive produced by Colin Thompson and produced by me and Drew, with a last-minute assist from Trey Schiltz. Good Cult was edited and mixed by Anton Doty. The original score was composed by Spencer Fox and Sam Hendricks. Robert Beatty made our cover art, and Katie Way fact-checked for us. Legal review by Ted Gertis. Special thanks this episode to Hannah Smith, Ali Conti, and to Gene Church for his book, The Pit, A Group Encounter Defiled. Good Cult is a cast original production. 
Hey, it's River. One thing I haven't mentioned yet about me is that I desperately crave the love and affection of strangers. Without it, I'm nothing. Without a constant stream of praise and adulation, I'll crumble and collapse in on myself like a dying star. So please, if you can find it within yourself to take 10 small seconds to rate, review, and subscribe to Good Cult and Apple Podcasts, it would mean the world to me. Please, it's all I have. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.